Because no two investors are the same, one size doesn't fit all. There's more to it. At S&P Dow Jones Indices, we offer index strategies for all types of investments. Comprehensive ESG solutions, core retirement strategies, multi-asset diversification, and new ways of thinking about risk management and income. They're all in one place. Express your investment views and give yourself the freedom to go anywhere with S&P Dow Jones Indices. Search Indexology on the web or hashtag Indexology on Twitter and LinkedIn. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. When the market's roaring, but still precarious, what do you do? You reach for the stock equivalent of comfort food. Something that tastes just like the great bull markets of your. That's right. You reach for FANG. My acronym for Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Google. Although this session is more like FAM because Microsoft's become red hot. Well, Netflix suffered a rare decline today. These big tech stocks led us higher. And with the Dow gaining 369 points, S&P rising 1.67%. And the Nasdaq zooming 2.08%. I guess it was only a matter of time before we return to the tried and true. This market's been going through leadership groups like there's no tomorrow. First, we had the rally in the defense of consumer staples during the work-from-home nuclear winter. Then the healthcare stocks started rebounding as we started reopening hospitals for non-essential medicine. We had a huge run-up in the essential big-box retailers. That group seems a tad exhausted. We've seen a surge in the semiconductor stocks as demand picks up from China and 5G build-out looks pretty good. Continued today with analog devices, ADI reporting an impressive quarter. There was a nascent run in the industrials as people bet the economy might be coming back as America reopens for business and the price of oil rebounds to the low 30s. Speaking of oil, those have done quite well of late. Even the banks have been able to stabilize, something that tends to happen when the Federal Reserve prints enough money to drown five or six Titanics. Honestly, with the cruise lines, the casinos, even the airlines rallying, it makes sense that the banks should go higher or at least level out. And now it's Fang's turn. There are a bunch of things driving this move. First, Amazon. So far this earnings season, we've seen a host of major retailers report fantastic e-commerce numbers. Target, Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, which we'll hear from in a second. But even after all of that, Amazon's still the king of e-commerce. And there's a lot to like here with the company's potent combination of low prices, surprisingly good margins when it wants them, steady delivery, and, of course, the rapidly growing Amazon Web Services division. As for Google, now known as Alphabet, they got a great cloud infrastructure business growing, too. Google Cloud, which is so good that Lowe's gave them not one but two shout-outs on their conference call. Apple's supposed to be a slouch in entertainment, right? Yep, we just learned that the new Tom Hanks World War II movie is launching directly on Apple Plus rather than opening in theaters. I don't know about you, but I want to see it. Microsoft's working its way relentlessly higher. Some of its momentum, though some of it might be their cloud gaming divisions. However, the big shock of the day is that it's Facebook. Facebook leading this group higher. All-time high Facebook. What's fueling this move? Simple and kind of startling for some. Facebook embraced the most beleaguered and bedraggled part of the U.S. economy and the world's economy, for that matter, with a small business initiative 
that will basically let you open a digital store on Facebook or Instagram, by the way, partnered with Shopify. I think this is the future of small business. Lots of sole proprietors making things work over the web, forced out of brick and mortar, rents too high. And apparently Facebook agrees. And while I've been lukewarm on some of Facebook's actions over the years, this one, I think, can really make a positive difference in a time of painful unemployment and sputtering small and medium-sized business. More on that later when we speak to Cheryl Sandberg. But first, we need to understand what's happening in the big box retail space because the pandemics hit them very differently. Remember, they're essential than the struggling smaller chains. It's tough to take the pulse of the consumer here because there's too much we don't know and we're in an unprecedented situation. However, we know that Lowe's, the terrific home improvement chain, just reported a magnificent quarter with a huge earnings beat and 11% same-store sales growth, 12% in the U.S. How did they pull it off, and what's it mean for the state of the consumer? Let's find out. Earlier today, we sat down with Marvin Ellison, the turnaround artist exemplar and president and CEO of Lowe's. Take a look. Marvin, you accomplished something yes. amazing this quarter. You went from executing a financial plan to becoming an essential national retailer. Sir, what did that entail? Well, Jim, first and foremost, we shifted to three priorities. Number one, the safety of our associates and our customers. Number two, making sure that we did everything we could to support the community, first responders, police officers, healthcare providers. And third, we just wanted to be there financially for our most vulnerable associates, our early associates. And that allowed us to pay $80 million in special payments in the month of March, raising wages by $2 an hour in April, doing another $80 million special payment in the month of May, and we're going to have our profit-sharing payout in June that's going to exceed $90 million. So it's all about trying to do what is best for our associates first in our community, and we're proud that we could be there for them in these really unique times. But Marvin, I have to say you did something else here. You even turned away business. You made sure that customers were safe and associates were safe, and yet you still did a 12% comparable store sale number in the United States. How is that possible? Well, Jim, our our culture is about doing the right thing for our communities and our associates. We made a decision to close on Easter, and candidly, that was going to be a sales day that exceeded $200 million. We had no way to make that plan up, but we decided it was the right thing for our associates to get a a break to spend with their families and loved ones, and we decided to close for today and just give them that chance to recharge their batteries and to spend that time with their families. What we didn't realize is that for the month of April, we still drove a sales comp of plus 20 percent, even with Easter being closed. So that's an example of doing the right thing for the right reasons. And the business still demonstrating appreciation for the hard work of the wonderful men and women that work in our stores. What does it also say about the strength of the United States, the economy, and the fact that there may be a recession, but it sure doesn't sound like there's a recession in housing? Well, Jim, one of the key things that we talk a lot about is when you look at the downturn that we are currently living in, it was self-imposed, as you know, much different than 2008, 2009. The housing market is very healthy. You you don't have a bubble. There's no excessive home price appreciation. There's actually a shortage of homes, and there's probably the largest percent of of aging homes in the market than we've seen in the last 40 years. That's good for home improvement. It's good for housing. But the other thing that's really important for us is 
customers want to spend money where they have choices and where they have options. You and I have talked a lot about the power of Omnichannel. Give customers the ability to shop any way they choose, right. in-store, online, buy online, pick up in-store, curbside, you name it. We were able to employ all of those things for the first time, drove an 80% growth in dot-com, but also we had triple-digit growth in dot-com in April, and those triple-digit growths are now happening in the month of May. So it's about giving the consumer choices. It's about giving them the essential things they need for their home, and we've done that well, and I'm just really proud of our associates and proud that we were there for the community when they needed us most. All right, so let's project forward, and I'm not talking about financial projections. I am talking about Memorial Day. Uh, historically a good day for Lowe's. Could it be, given the triple-digit.com and given the changes you have made since July of 2018 when you came in, could it be a huge holiday and an arbinger maybe of some better things happening in the country? Well, Jim, I hope so. I mean, obviously, none of us have a crystal ball. You know, we can look at the trends of our current business, and we feel great about how the customers are responding to all the hard work we put into the company in the last 18 months. I couldn't be more proud of the men and women that I sit around the table with virtually and physically every single day and week running this wonderful company. And we think that we built a company and we made the necessary improvements in the business that we're going to have a strong Memorial Day and a strong rest of the year. But our most important effort is to continue to make sure our associates and our customers are safe and that we can be there for the community. You would announce today, Jim, that we have a $25 million grant that we're going to be giving out to small businesses that are reopening to help them with PPE and, and other things that they need that they probably can't afford just to get up and going. These are going to be minority businesses and other businesses that are now starting to reopen. So we just want to continue to not only run a good business, but also be a great corporate citizen in all the communities that we operate in. Well, this is a new paradigm. This is not what we expected about American business, but a lot of what I expected from you and the, and the soul that you bring to this organization and to the top people who have been um, energized. I like what you said about minority investing and about $25 million because you have what we call the pickup truck pro. And yeah. that is the person who has been hurt. That's the sole proprietor looking for business in a recession. How are they doing? Jim, that's our core pro customer. And believe it or not, uh, in this downturn, that segment of pro has been the healthiest segment, that smaller you know, small business person, pickup truck pro. That customer is still relatively healthy. And what was interesting is that they had projects that were delayed but not canceled. And so now we're seeing their book of business fill back up. They're starting back to be busy again. And in a lot of cases, we're the sole provider from a product standpoint for those small customers. We have great credit terms we offer them. We give them flexibility in delivery and all types of flexibility around service models. So believe it or not, the good news is that customer is starting to come back, and that is a sign that hopefully this is not going to be a elongated recession, specifically in that segment of the economy. You know, Marvin, when I listen to you in, in talking about the term, I don't think people realize how hard it is to actually turn a large business around. The uh, years are, are littered with failed retail turnarounds. You came in the first week of July. Uh, you found a dispirited group. I think from judging from what you've done with them, that doesn't that no longer carries. You've got an energized group and a loyal group, but you had no dot-com to speak of, a 10-year-old dot-com. You have decided to work closely with Google Cloud, which has become very aggressive. You had amazing triple digit, and yet at the same time, you say you have said on the call that it's nowhere not even finished yet. So the numbers could be incredible. 
incredible going forward. Jim, our dot-com business is only going to get better. And I've said it before, there are three things you need to do to create a great dot-com business if you're a traditional retailer. You need talent, you need capital, and you need time. We recruited the talent. We have one of the best, the most talented dot-com and tech teams in retail right now. We've invested the capital to make sure we do it correctly. And now we've had about 12 months into this, we're starting to see that the work pay off. There's no way that we could have the sustained levels of growth online if we hadn't made that platform migration to Google Cloud. And we have a series of other really great functionalities that you're going to see from a one-click checkout, search and navigation, the ability to schedule and induce, do all types of visibility of order destination online. We're going to be rolling out bound line pickup and store lockers. We're going to modify curbside delivery to be more digitized. We have an array of things that's going to give us one of the best in class dot com platforms. And when you combine that with a really good executing retail business, we think we have a great future in front of us. All right, last question. What's your message as an essential national retailer who has a tremendous breadth of knowledge? What's your message to the country right now, which is, I have to tell you, a country that I find a little discouraged. Jim, my message is simple. Look, I grew up in a small town uh, with parents that didn't have formal educations. Uh, I worked my way through college starting out as a $4.35 an hour associate, and now I'm the CEO of the 44th largest company in America. This can only happen in America. You can't keep the American spirit down. You can't keep the American business climate down. We have to be smart and work our way through this downturn, but we have brighter days in front of us. To all my fellow CEOs out there running large companies, let's do our part to help the small businesses get back up and going. We went to the Retail Industry Leaders Association, there's a trade association for retail. We gave them our entire playbook for safety and security and how you open and how you operate in a COVID 19 environment. We gave it to them to share with other retailers because the only competition that we have is the virus. We have to work together to get this economy going. And my message to America is support your, your local businesses, support your small businesses, and let's do our part to maintain social distancing so that we can get this virus behind us as quick as possible. Marvin, I want to thank you so much for coming on Mad Money. Congratulations on the turn. It's quite it's you, unimaginable. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. That's Marvin Ellison. He's president and CEO of Lowe's. Hey, listen, let me just evolve to stocks for a second. It's a buy. Coming up, Facebook, Verizon, and Mondelez. Stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.
pace we've seen leading the spark at higher ever since the bottom in March. But today went into overdrive. The stock rallied 6% new all-time high. The reason? Yesterday we learned that they're rolling out Facebook Shops. That's an e-commerce platform for small business. And it's something, you know, I am incredibly passionate about. And I think this is actually the perfect concept to help stem unemployment and restart entrepreneurship in the age of COVID-19. Do not take it from me. Let's dig deep with Sheryl Sandberg. She's the COO of Facebook. Learn more about this initiative and how the company's been able to thrive here. Ms. Sandberg, welcome back to Bad Money. Thank you for having me, Jim. I love being on your show. Thank you, Cheryl. Look, we're at a time... A lot of people see the market going to all-time highs. A lot of people see stocks really. Your stock went to all-time high. But I see 70% of this country is in big trouble. Those are the people who work for small businesses. They're trapped in rents that are too high, in brick and mortar that are too high. And along comes this initiative. And to me, this is the answer for a lot of companies. So we agree with you. This is not just a health crisis. This is an economic crisis, and it's a crisis for small business. Small businesses create two-thirds of the jobs in this country. And I know that's why you're so focused on them, and that's why everyone should be. We put out a report this week, the State of Small Business Report, which says that 31% of small businesses have stopped operating entirely, and another 11% believe if things don't change, they will go under as well. And this is the worst number. Half of small business owners don't believe they're going to be able to rehire the people that they had to let go. And that means we all need to do our best. And our answer to this is we've had a grant program. We've had a lot of initiatives. But probably the biggest thing is what we just rolled out, which is Facebook shops. How does it empower a small, medium-sized business and an opportunity that they, that they would not have? And I'm sure they're going to ask, how much does it cost them? So it doesn't cost anything, and it just takes minutes to set up. And the idea is that anyone can have a virtual storefront for free. On Facebook or Instagram, you can have a Facebook shop. You can upload your products. You can use messaging services to directly communicate with customers. And again, it's free. It's virtual. It takes minutes. It takes minutes to set up. So I I know that a lot of people uh, have been saying, look, Facebook's been a tremendous profit generator, uh, but it really hasn't been that affiliated with its most important uh, ambassadors, its most important customers. But it seems like I know that Mark personally is involved in this. You're personally involved in this. And this may be uh, a new percent. Well, the correct perception of what Facebook's really about. So we've always been in the business of small business. There are 160 million small businesses that use our free tools around the world. And then there are 8 million that go on to advertise with us. So really the great majority of the work we do is providing free tools to small businesses. But in the age of coronavirus, people have to migrate online and they need to get there quickly. But it's really expensive for a small business owner, even before this, to set up a mobile presence This is, as we said, free, cheap, easy, free and easy so that people can do that literally within minutes. All right. So last time we spoke in March, you talked about a new effort to give one hundred million dollars in cash and advertising credits to help out small business hurt by COVID-19. How's that program going? It's great. We rolled it out. Um, I announced it on your show. We then opened applications for the U.S. Those applications are now closed. And within a few weeks, we're going to get cash out the door. Just like with Facebook shops, we're listening. What small businesses said at the beginning of this crisis is we need cash. And so we put $40 million to work in the United States. We earmarked half of that for women and minority and veteran-owned businesses 
because we know when crisis hit, the most vulnerable get hit the hardest. And our goal is to get that money out the door. But we also know we can't reach everyone with that program. And that's where free tools like Facebook shops come in so that anyone can start selling or interacting with customers online because that's what it's going to take to get small businesses through this crisis and keep people employed. Okay, sure. One of our favorite companies, just literally a year and a half ago, was just a, almost a, you call it a small cap, uh, uh, Shopify in Canada. Uh, and, and they've got some people who really share the ethos that we're talking about. You paired with them. Why not do it yourself? Because we want to focus on what we're best at. What we do is we connect people and businesses. We connect people and people. We are that connective tissue. Shopify is a partner in this. So are other companies. And if you're a small business and you're already using Shopify, that's great. You can then plug into Facebook shops and start selling directly online while continuing to use a lot of the tools they and others provide. We're not one of those companies who wants to do everything ourselves. We want to do what we do best, which is that connection. Now, they do have a great ambassador program themselves. Really, they have a, a Shopify experts. If I'm new and I'm on Facebook and I am a small business person, who can I contact at Facebook that could at least walk me through it just in case I'm not savvy enough? Well, the best place to go is Facebook Commerce Manager. We have everything laid out there as well as an ability to ask us to get, get in touch with you for help. And if I were part of a group, say, uh, a, a, a group of friends, and we had this idea, but we never thought it possible, but we're all at home, we're quarantined, we don't know what to do. Um, how, what is your advice on how to start a small business and take advantage of their own followers in order to be able to make it so that they can make some money at a time when so many people are unemployed? So that's what's happening all over the world. People are doing this from their living room. People are doing this from their bedroom. Um, so... If you want to start a business or you have a fledgling business, I think you want to set up a Facebook profile or an Instagram business profile. Those are free. They are fast. It's just like doing it as an individual. So just like I can set myself up as a person, I can set myself up as a business and then start using the free tools to reach people. And we're going to keep rolling out those tools. We're going to keep listening. Voices like you, Jim, told us this was necessary. Voices from small businesses all over the world. We're going to keep that product feedback coming in and keep rolling out the products that we think can help. Well, look, I think in a time of tremendous unemployment where a lot of people are lucky enough to, like me, have contracts, do well. We look at these other people with the shuttered doors and we say they got to get some money in. And uh, Facebook is doing that. And I think this is the Facebook that I know I'm familiar with. I know you got to look, we could go in the other stuff. Let's just stick with this for now. All right, Cheryl. Thank you so much. Thank you for your encouragement and support. Um, and thank you to all the small businesses out there that are keeping our country going and staying in business. We're going to do all we can to help. All right. Thank you so much. That's Cheryl Sandberg, CEO of Facebook, doing what's right for small business. We need advocates for small business. That's what we need at this time, right at this moment. Mad Money's back after the break. Well, the packaged food stocks have been on fire lately. Some of them can't seem to get enough love. I'm talking about like Mondelez. This is the snacking kingpin. Here's a company that reported a terrific quarter late last month, yet its stock is still 10 bucks off its highs. we got to find out what's going on here. This could be a real bargain. Let's check in with Dirk Vandeput. He's the chairman and CEO of Mondelez to get a better read on how his company's doing and where it's headed. Mr. Vandeput, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Okay, so Dirk, 
this pandemic has released something that I found somewhat unexpected, a lust for snacking. Now, we know the millennials that embrace snacking. You and I have talked about that. But now it seems like aided by the, the work from home movement, it's a generational tidal wave. Can it stay? I think it, it will stay um, because if you look at the consumer, the consumer is nervous at the moment, anxious, um, spending a lot of time at home. And so they want comfort. They wanna, want something that brings them back to normalcy. And as a consequence, they're snacking more. Um, also, they used to eat a lot out of the home. Now they have to do that eating in the home. So I think uh, for the foreseeable future, that increased snacking is going to stay. And hopefully that will last even when things have uh, returned to normal, which, which could be a significant uh, time from now. So I do think that it's going to, to stay. The other thing we're seeing is not just the snacking. They're going back to trusted brands, uh, the Oreos, the Chips Ahoy, the things they know and love, makes them feel good. And I think also that return to, to trusted brands or increased uh, penetration of more people uh, consuming our brands, I think that will last also. Well, let's talk about a contradiction that you've addressed head on. I think the analysts are, are far behind what you're getting at. You did an unbelievable talk, the Snack You Made Right Investor Call that was a couple of weeks ago. And in it, you talk about the generations. Now, if I presented my kids the Nilla wafers, which I love so much, the Oreos, they would be circumspect. Tate, they might go for. But you, H-U, the chocolate they, if they knew that was Mondelez, they'd be shocked. Now, that's a partial investment. But is this where the new Mondelez is going? Something like you, where my daughter has a tower of it when I walk in because that's what she that's all she eats? <laughs> no, we, we, we try to um, provide snacks for, for all types of consumers. And yes, you're right. The, the younger consumers tend to be much more focused on, on brands and what do these brands mean for them. And so as a company, yes, we are trying to expand into brands like you, uh, which, which stand for something different. That doesn't mean, however, that an Oreo, for instance, doesn't do well. Uh, it is the most popular food brand with Generation Z and millennials. It still is. And so there is this uh, mixture going on, and, and we try to make sure that our old and established brands, which are still very young in many ways, like Oreo, still appeal to younger consumers. But at the same time, for those that really aren't there, we are offering them a new range of uh, a different brands. And, and we try to do both, basically. Well, I think that must be one of the reasons why you have in what you call, and I quote, unprecedented share gains. But another thing I think you're doing well, I want you to talk about is in our office, when you when we have Oreos, OK, the my generation just loves Oreo. That's all we know. You've got many different iterations of Oreo that I would have found a, a, as almost sacrilege, but the younger people love. Yes, yes, they 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 do, and um, um, it, it's um, um, I, I think it has to see with uh, where younger people uh, are looking for what's important to them and what a brand stands for, what it does for the community, what it does for sustainability and so on. Those are things that are really important for them. And, and as brands, you need to make sure that that is there. And so that's why we did something like Snacking Made Right. We want to show that as a company, more than ever, what we do in ESG is important and that, that we want to do the right thing, especially in these circumstances. 
Now, you also talk a lot in your in all your venues about the uh, resurgence of some parts of the world while others are going down. You talk very positively about China and, and Asia has been incredibly strong for you. United States, some convenience store cutbacks, but and then your organic growth here is extraordinary. Latin America, I am very worried about from what I read about by COVID. So can you just give us around the globe where we are? Yes. Well, the U.S., I think uh, your audience is aware. We, we see a big increase in snacking. Consumers are at home. We have a big biscuit business, so we see a big increase in, in demand. And, and that's clearly benefiting our sales. We see something similar in Europe, uh, but there are business as also a number of other things, like more away from home, like food service, or uh, more world travel retail, so the duty-free type shops. And those, obviously, those two are, are quite affected. So we see an increase in Europe, but it's not to the same extent as we're seeing in North America. Uh, China is, has been incredible for us. Yes, February was down. March, we were already in line with uh, last year. And April, we're far above last year. That is largely due to our team, who were out of the starting block after the crisis, the first ones, and really put a lot of dedication in it. But, but China is coming back uh, with a vengeance for us. Um, and then, yeah, you know, Southeast Asia, uh, India, at the moment, quite affected, largely because there's huge lockdowns and the government right. really doesn't want consumers or, or workers to, to go to the plants or to the stores. But that's going to come back and we think they will uh, come back uh, quite fast. And so that leaves uh, Latin America where we're seeing the same thing, quite harsh lockdown mm -hmm. measures. Um, we still see the trend of infections going up. And we expect in the, the coming months Latin America to be severely affected. And, and we're taking all necessary precautions to be, again, out of that starting block as soon as the stores open up again. Right. Uh, but Latin America is probably going to be the slowest in recuperating from okay. this. You're right. Last question. You've really made your balance sheet fantastic. You've brought, brought down the revolver. You've issued debt at very low prices. But you do have a 13.6% stake in Keurig Dr. Pepper, which has been a very good stock. And JDE, I, I happen to be a big Pete's fan myself, uh, possible IPO coming there. Uh, do you really need to monetize those? Are those financial or are those strategic? No, those are, are financial investments for us. We support the, the IPO of JDE. It, it offers us liquidity, not that we need it right now, but it, it gives us options. And it also puts a marker on what the value is of our stake in those, uh, in those companies. Uh, KDP is already public, as you know. So we are very supportive. We don't need it right away, but it gives us options for the future. Well, excellent. Uh, Dirk, thank you so much for coming on the show. And also thank you for everything for you do for, uh, from Cocoa Life, for all the you know, several hundred thousand farmers that benefit because you care. And I know that's your initiative. That's Dirk Vanderput. And Dirk is the CEO of Mondelez MDLZ, an inexpensive stock that deserves to be higher. We have money's back after the break. As the economy started reopening, some of the safety stocks have pulled back. Stocks like Verizon. Here's a company that's pretty much immune to COVID-19. But if we got the virus contained, is there anything truly exciting here beyond the 4.5% yield? Yeah, absolutely. 5G. Verizon just rolled out 5G ultra-wideband service in the 35th city, San Diego. While the 5G story is still in its infancy, I think these guys are poised to win bigger. So let's take a closer look with Hans Vesberg. He is the chairman and CEO of Verizon to learn more about what his company's up to. Mr. Vesberg, welcome back to Mad Money. 
Hey, how are you doing, Jim? Oh, I'm doing fine, thanks, Hans. Great that you're here. Uh, before I get started talking about 5G, when I have said since I started the show, when people ask me for a stock on the street, I always say Verizon because I know I'll never be hurt. We are now facing an extraordinary recession where even some of the utility companies I deal with have had to defer payment. They just say, listen, we'll, we're not going to cut your uh, electricity off. We're willing to forbear. Is Verizon in shape to be able to handle that level of unemployment? Of course, it's, it's, a, it's a very unprecedented situation and all unemployment and all of that. As we said uh, when we had our earnings calls, we had uh, a small amount of customers that uh, are under our Keep America Connected program where we don't disconnect them. If I would look today, I, w- I would say our delinquent receivables are almost on the same or similar levels for consumers and for small and medium business as it was pre-COVID-19. So we have seen some improvement. So, so that's where we are. So, so far, so good. But, uh, you know, we don't know how long this will be. And, of course, it will be uh, tougher impacts over time if, if this is just continuing for a very long time. But uh, our, our company is delivering a service that is extremely important these times. You know, the connectivity is just essential today in, uh, in our society in order for us to be connected and be able to do our work or uh, connected with friends and family. Yeah, they, they, you let them take away your home or your car before you let them take away your phone. Uh, for a long time, Hans, we have had an inferiority complex in this country. We have heard over and over again that if we went to South Korea, they're so much faster than we are. We've heard that their Australians are faster than we are. The U.K. is faster than we are. I look at a new study that's come out about Verizon 5G, and I don't feel so inferior. How did you get this way? No, I think we're building 5G right. I've talked about it all the time. We want to have a superior experience on our 5G network. We have the best 4G network, uh, clearly, which is performing fantastically well. We've won all the third-party measurements all the time. We want also to build the best 5G experience for our customers. And remember, it's not only consumers going to get this uh, experience. We want to actually have industries and, uh, uh, and governments also using 5G in order to enable new type of services and uh, transform their businesses. And that's what we're building for. So our speeds on our 5G ultra wideband is, is sort of unparalleled. It's uh, 10, 15, 20 times uh, faster than uh, we have on, on 4G. And our 4G is already really, really good. OK, so in a recent interview with Phil Cusick over at J.P. Morgan, he asked you about whether you really need to you know, what would really be the difference with 5G. And you said you're going to see some improvements over time, but then dramatic improvements. What we have lacked, Hans, with the word dramatic is, is it mean no circle when we're waiting for Netflix? Does it mean that Zoom doesn't look like we're in some sort of weird silent movie? Or does it mean that we're going to be downloading movies in record time? Which are these? All of them above. I mean, if, if you're in the 5G ultra wideband, which we're building on a millimeter wave spectrum, we basically have unlimited spectrum and we can give that type of services to each and every of our subscribers that are using our 5G network. And we already are up on two gigabits per second on the phones, which is just uh, unheard of. I mean, a 4G network on Verizon, which is uh, the best performing for uh, your network is giving you 40 to 80 megabits per second. So it's just unparalleled how much faster this is. 
But it's not only that. It's also low latency for real-time transaction, VR, AR for industries that's going to be offered by, from this 5D. And that's what I said already from the beginning. We are accelerating our investment levels right now because this is even more important for the nation at this moment to have these high-speed networks. Okay, well, let's talk about uh, the theme about the nation. When uh, T-Mobile decided to merge with Sprint, they talked about a national imperative of having the best 5G. Do you think it really will encourage competition? Some of us are concerned that with just three phone companies, our bill's going to go up. I think that there has been a very competitive wireless market in the United States, and it will continue to be so. However, I feel really good about our positioning with our network, with our brand and our distribution. Uh, so uh, we, we're going to compete well, but uh, clearly it's a very competitive market. And, and uh, we know this service is so important in today's uh, society. So, but again, we are well positioned to take care of that. OK, many companies are worried about their balance sheets. So what they're doing is they're cutting capital expenditure. When I hear that, that means they're cutting the future. You are increasing capital expenditure. Is that because of the need, uh, because of COVID-19, because of, of moving to your work at home? Or is it just because you're committed to being able to see certain technologies that will really change the consumer experience? In the beginning, when, we, when the COVID-19 came out, we decided immediately we're going to increase our CAPEX. First, we thought it was for insurance, if, we couldn't, if the traffic would be very different than we predicted. It was not. Even though the network growth is just, uh, we are 1,200% more gro- uh, usage of the network when it comes to collaboration to like video conferencing and a lot of other things. But the network is coping well. So then it, it fell back on the second one. This is the time where we can invest more and it, it's responsible and it's the right time to invest. So that's what we're doing right now. And as I reported when we had our first quarter earnings call, uh, we, are, we are on plan for our 5D deployment this year, for our 5 deployment. And they are big. I mean, we are doing five times more radio base station on 5G this year. We're going to do 60 cities. Uh, we are rolling out uh, our fiber, which is somewhere between 1,500 to 1,800 route miles a month at the moment. So we are not holding back. We think this is the right time to invest for us and for our customers. Well, I think you're definitely right. And I feel uh, my Chapel Trust has always had a position for Verizon, by the way. So I feel like I'm going to continue to say to people when they stop me on the street, how about Verizon? It doesn't <laughs> ever hurt me. Thank you so much to Hans Vestberg, Verizon chairman and CEO. Always good to see you, sir. And money's back after the break. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski daddy, time for the lightning round. Let's we'll start with Ben in Illinois. Ben. Hey, hey, Jim. Uh, love you. Love your show. Um, Thank you. You know, uh, what is it? Summer's coming up. Uh, people don't know if they're going to stay indoors or not. So how do you feel about uh, Bed Bath & Beyond coming well, I think Bed Bath is a stock that I liked, and then what happened is the world came to an end, basically, right? For retail, it was deemed non-essential, and I think it's a very tough thing for it to come back. But it does have the capital. It can, it can last. It can try to last. Let's go to Culver in Georgia. Culver! Hey, Jim. I'm a 22-year-old investor who just graduated from Auburn University. There you go. All right. My stock is TE Connectivity. 
I've always liked TE connectivity, and it's the right it's the right kind of electrical component stock that is working in this environment. I would own the stock. Let's go to Mike in New Jersey. Mike, Mike, Mike. Hi, Jim. A great big booyah from Jersey Shore. Long-time ah, follower. Thank you. I've started applying quality oil plates over the last few weeks and really like Pioneer Natural Resources. I would like your opinion. Well, uh, Scott Sheffield is probably, uh, along with Mike Worth, uh, uh, two of the people I trust most in the oil patch. So uh, Pioneer's one of them. I like EOG. I like Parsley. I like Chevron. Um, I think you're fine. And I'm not a recommender of the oil companies, but I think you're fine. Let's go to Warren in Virginia. Warren. Ba 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 booyah, Mr. Kramer. Gotcha. Long time listener, second time caller. My stock is B and G Food. I wish they would come on. It's a, it's a pastiche of that mosaic of old brands that I think should be doing well now. I went in the pantry business, and that's exactly what is happening. But I don't know the longevity of it because the brands seem tired to me. It's kind of a mini Kraft Heinz. Let's go to John in New York. John. Booyah, Jim. Hey, John. Long term viewer. Okay. I would love. I would like to thank you for the wealth of information you've provided over the years. My stock is digital realty. I happen to like the, uh, the of the REITs that are still around that I like. I like the data center REITs, and that is one of them. Nice level coming at three point three percent. How about Scott in Florida, Scott? Hey Jim, how you doing, buddy? I am good. How about you? Good. Hope you and your family are staying safe and healthy. Well, I'm going to get to see um, him this weekend, I hope. What's going on? Good. I was calling in regarding Citrix, CTXF. Yeah, you know, Citrix is part of this group like Zoom. They've had too much of a move. They're consolidating right now. I think consolidation is actually positive. Some people feel like if we go back to work, they won't do as well. That's wrong. Good stock. Mark in Wisconsin. Mark. Yeah, Jim, uh, the... Stock I got for you is Box, ticker B-O-X. Well, I'll see well. you your Box and raise you with Dropbox, which I think had a better quarter. That's the one to be in now. Let's go to Marcus in Florida. Marcus. Hey, how you doing, Jim? Love yeah. your show. Thank you. Watch day, and I appreciate you taking my call. Oh, you're welcome. What's going on? Um, I've got a stock, and they produce a majority of the test kits for the coronavirus or COVID-19, whatever you want to call it. Okay. And um, All right. they went up to $31 and then back down to 18 and now they're not budging whatsoever. Huh. And what stock is that? Uh, it's CODX. CODA, yeah, that one's too controversial. I have to do more work on CODX. That is a, that's like a, that's like a, a penny stock that went nuts. So I got to do more work on it uh, because they do not definitively have uh, earnings that I can tell. Let's go to Greg in Texas. Greg. Hey Jim. Hey Greg. I just uh, you got me following this one. Uh, I bought GW Pharmaceutical at 106 about a week ago, right before they reported. Wow. They had great they had great numbers, of course. They're about 124 now. What are your feelings? It's medical term? cannabis. It's the only one that the doctors really use because it actually has dosage. And it will be the only one they use, given the fact that dosage is hard to get in regular cannabis. So I continue to like GW Pharma. And that, ladies and gentlemen, including other lightning round. The lightning round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. This is not Armageddon. It's a painful time to own stocks, but it won't always be. 
I'm opening up the phone lines, taking all your questions. I just want to thank you for keeping us sane through all the turbulent times and reminding us to never panic. Thanks for everything that you do. And sure thanks trying. for talking me down off the ledge more than once. I don't know when the average is will bottom, but eventually there'll be bargains. I've always said you can't afford to take your cue from genius money managers. It's been a theme for a long time. They're not accountable to you. They can change their minds in a heartbeat without giving you any notice. And even the smartest investors are wrong. A lot. That's the nature of the game. Nobody has a magic formula or crystal ball, so you can't lend too much credence to the opinion of any one guy, including me. By all means, hear them out, though. See what they have to say. But don't take their words as gospel. If this week's terrific run has shown us anything, it's that you need to think for yourself rather than bowing to the conventional wisdom. Let me give you some pretty glaring examples. From February 18th to March 18th, the Dow Jones Industrials plunged from 29,000 to less than 20,000. On March 18th, that was the day when Bill Ackman of Pershing Square fame came on air and argued that the economy needed to be shut down, just shut it down for a month. He told us this is a direct quote, hell is coming. A few days later, the market bottomed, and since then we've come roaring back. When you parse what Ackman actually said, you could argue he wasn't technically wrong. He warned us what would happen if we didn't shut down the economy. But that prediction kind of became moot when we did go into lockdown, just like he wanted. The problem is he went so overboard with his doomsaying, the histrionics, that it terrified people. Ackman's emotional comments caused such a huge decline that trading had to be halted. If he scares you away from stocks, you end up missing out on a phenomenal rally. The very next day, we got our second example when Ray Dalio of Bridgewater came on Squawk Box and calmly predicted we were on the verge of a second Great Depression. He mentioned the 1930s as an analogy four times. He talked about how the government would need to spend one to two trillion dollars and the Fed would need to provide all sorts of guarantees to stave off a wholesale economic collapse. Dalio's a brilliant guy, much smarter than I am, and that's where his bearish prediction went wrong. See, he's so smart that Treasury Secretary Mnuchin and Fed Chairman Jay Powell listened to him. On March 19th, it didn't look like the government would be able to deliver. But as the situation kept deteriorating, there was more and more pressure on Congress to act. Dalio made it sound like a massive bell was unlikely, when in fact it was actually borderline inevitable. More recently, a little over a week ago, Stan Druckenmiller, an old-school hedge fund billionaire, came out with a statement that the risk reward was potentially as bad as he'd ever seen it. Because this wasn't on TV, we don't know his exact words. I wouldn't be surprised if something was taken out of context or blown out of proportion. However, the way the story was reported made it sound like he was screaming, get out now. Since then, the Dow's up more than 800 points. Now, it's barely been a week, so it's too soon to tell whether that call. But I think you need to take it with a grain of salt, just like you should have with Ackman and Dalio's bearishness, with a whole carton of Morton's iodized. The bottom line, even the smartest money managers get it wrong sometimes, and they're always changing their minds. It's their right. I know Ackman turned positive. That's why you can't read too much into their grand pronouncements. When you're managing your own money, you got to think for yourself, just like they do. Stick with Kramer. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. Stop it. You're my partner. You're my partner. You're just not next to me. I can't go like this, you know? And you can't go like this like you used to. It's like, yes, that's right, Jim. I can try, though. All right, I'm done with you today. (laughs) It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. The struggle for survival for some local businesses in Ohio. 
plus Pitbull stepping up for Latino business owners. And will your summer vacation exist even this year? All tonight at 7 p.m. with my friend Scott Wapner. Take two all over the map. I know that they're cautionary on the conference call. I do not think you should blow it out if you own it, but I understand it's been a rocket ship and people are taking profits. Not much more to it than that. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer, and I will see you tomorrow. CNBC's Workforce Executive Council is a premier group of C-suite human resources executives from leading companies across the country. It offers a members-only portal and chat, plus exclusive industry content, with access to breaking news calls and digital networking experiences. The network and resources HR leaders need now. Apply to the Workforce Executive Council at cnbccouncils.com slash WEC.